Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith With, an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today I've got John Prine, legendary country Americana singer, and this might be one of my all-time favorite interviews. We're talking about his new record, The Tree of Forgiveness, and I've also got him telling stories about uh, Dan Auerbach, Phil Spector, and a bunch of scientists that uh, made him upset when they called Pluto uh, a dwarf and a star and not a planet. It's Kyle Meredith with John Prine. Hey, Kyle. It's John Prine. How are you, John? Really good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Well, hello from uh, Louisville, Kentucky. It's it's great to hear you up here, uh, especially um, getting to talk about this new record, The Tree of Forgiveness. Uh, thank you for the music on this one again. Oh, you're welcome. It's been like... <laughs> It's been really great so far. Everything, the record's being accepted like really well. It's sung better than any of my records before, so yeah, I, I guess I, it's doing all right. <laughs> I don't know why you waited so long. You know, all this adoration that comes your way these days. Yeah. I was, I, I was just writing slow and thinking, well, when I get ten songs I like, I'll, I'll go in the studio. And my wife Fiona, and she's managing me now, and uh, my son, our son Josie's running the record company. They came to me last year and said, hey, it's time to make a record. And I said, really? And they put me in a hotel suite with a, 10 boxes of unfinished lyrics. I didn't know I had. 10 boxes of lyrics. How, how Are all of those songs just over like the past decade, or is this like your lifetime's work that just hadn't made no, it out of the songs? It's just, it's just part of it. I, just, I thought I threw these things. I just write things down on pieces of paper, and, and then uh, I forget about them, you know. And uh, I guess they saved these scraps of paper. So 
I've had, uh, there's enough stuff there to jog my memory that I thought, oh, yeah, I meant to, I meant to write that song or this one. You know, basically, I'm pretty lazy, Kyle. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just didn't do anything in the world besides write a song. It used to it used to be my hobby uh, when I was a mailman. You know, that stuff was my big escape from life as I go write a song. But now it's my job, and when something is my job, I run the other way. <laughs> That, that might be different than losing the desire to write new songs, though. I mean, have you ever got to the point where you just, like, you know, you think of an idea, you write it down, but did you ever get to that point where it's like, you know what, I, I just don't feel like being a songwriter right now? No, because I know, I know that doesn't come along all, all the time, you know? Yeah. I just don't like, to, I don't like to force it. I kind of like, I would rather be walking down the street and go, oh, that's a great idea, you know, instead of sitting there with a pencil sharpener and trying to go, okay, what can I write about today? Yeah. It's just like I kind of trust it more if it comes from my gut, and you know, I just figure it's I have a better chance of being something good that might last. Well, it's worked for you so far. There's so many classics out there, uh, and so many great songs. But this new record, you know, it's uh, all your hallmarks are here. The, these great story songs. I, I do wonder, like, how much of this record would you say is your story versus the story of characters, the the Americana of the uh, of the world? <laughs> There's a little bit of me in all the songs, but not not enough to do anybody any harm. <laughs> when I used to put a lot of names in songs. I'd get stuff like some relatives would call me up and go, is that me in the song? You know? <laughs> i go, no, that's just your name. You know? <laughs> it's not you. And uh, so, like, you, you could get in trouble if you tell somebody's story and don't tell them about it. <laughs> now, now you, I wonder if any of your older songs, have any of your older songs... Do any of them have drastically different meanings to you now than maybe when you wrote them? No, uh, not really. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't try and write something that's got a hidden message or anything. I I prefer to just put it flat out there. And if it's a joke, I hope people get it. And if it's a story, I hope people get it. You know, I don't try and disguise any of the songs as something else. It, it's it, it is really impressive how. Because not every song ages really, really well, and your songs do. I mean, even songs that were so about something specific, um, like Flag Decal. I mean, to me, that still resonates as hard in 2018 than, than when you wrote it back then, which is... I mean, I, I would have given that song about two years for life. Right. <laughs> you know, back then, because I thought, you know, when Vietnam War is over, uh, when there's the silent majority, or I'm not silent anymore... Like this song will be old, and it just never got, it never got that old. Do you still sing that now in your live sets? I, I do. I sing it every night, uh-huh. mainly, mainly because of that that person that's in the White House. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's you one know? of the first songs I played on the air uh, the day after the election. Just made the most. Was sense. that right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I kind of the other night we played Indianapolis Saturday night, and I wasn't. <laughs> I was feeling a little grumpy, you know, over things in Washington D.C. I dedicated to that a-hole in the White House, you know, <laughs> and uh, I got some cheers and looked like a couple of people in the front row got up and left, so I'm not sure if they knew what I was writing about all these years. I'm always surprised in that, the people who walk out on shows like that, especially, you know, the ones who claim to have been fans for a long time, and you think, really? Really? Were yeah. you listening? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I saw a couple of things on, on the internet where people, uh, I don't know what song they were, they were going towards, but it was like... Uh, like, how could you leave us, John? And I thought, who is this, the NRA? <laughs> I mean, it's really, I mean, I don't understand. Like, if people don't figure out kind of 
where I'm coming from after all these years. Well, um, another side of things is, you know, some of your uh, songwriting partners of the past few years. Of course, we're also big fans of Dan Auerbach around here. And yeah, Dan's he, a great guy. Yeah, yeah, he seems to be playing a big part of your career right now. And I don't know if that's just because Dan likes to wave the John Prime flag pretty big, but how important is the partnership in, uh, with, with Dan lately? Well, we, I mean, we got together, whew, when was it? It's been about almost two years. There was four of us. We hang out anyway. You know, I go play cards with Dan. He likes to have poker nights at his house. And uh, I met him when he first hit town through a common friend of ours, David Ferguson. Fergie is, uh, me and me and Fergie uh, kind of co-owns a studio for a while and uh, called the Butcher Shop. And um, I think that's, that's how I first met Dan when he came to town. And I think we tried to write something then. Uh, nothing happened. Then we just went to lunch and forgot about it. But uh, but about a year and a half ago, Pat McLaughlin, David Ferguson, and Dan and myself, we got together over at Dan's house. And I, I thought we were writing for, um, he was thinking about doing his first solo record. And I thought that's what we were doing. We wrote six songs in two days. They just kind of flew out, you know. And I didn't, I didn't really think about any of the songs were for me, but I ended up recording two of them on Tree of Forgiveness, uh, Carousel of Caravan of Fools and uh, Boundless Love. I, I love your all's partnership. Uh, I, I love what you've done to Dan's songwriting too. And I, I know, like I said, he's been he's been singing those praises as well. But uh, it's been a really fun the, partnership to listen the, to. The first song that we wrote out of that bunch was the title song for Dan's record. Oh right, Wait right. On a song. I, I walked into the room and. <laughs> Three of my buddies are sitting there with yellow legal pads and pencils. And I said, looks like you guys are waiting on our song. And then, bang, we went into the, we just started writing. They just kind of fell out of us, you know. I mean, it takes a special kind of sight, I think, to recognize those moments because people say stuff every day, but rarely does one person go, oh, there it is, there it is. And, and that, I mean, that's got to be the, the, the Nashville talent right there, like the third eye. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I mean, I didn't think I talked in song titles, but I guess <laughs> sometimes I do. Uh, a, a lot of the recent research in St. Louis came from, you know, the younger songwriters uh, waving that uh, Prime flag. Uh, Dan, of course, uh, our friends uh, Jason and Amanda. and um, Yeah. I love Jason Isbell's music and Amanda's too. Oh, just it's amazing stuff. I was thinking a minute ago though. I, you get a lot of older rockers, and they can't always identify with the younger rockers. But you know, Americana roots, country, whatever you want to call it, that doesn't seem to ever be the case. Like the connection from you to them seems a lot easier than I don't know from the Stones to yeah. Muse. No, I don't, I, it's not too much of a stretch for me. You know, I mean to appreciate their music i mean i first got took notice of jason because he mentioned that i was an influencer his writing fiona said have you heard this guy and then uh the southeastern record came out and fiona hadn't seen it and i went home i said you gotta listen to this i said this record is chock full of really great songs and uh i'd always listen in my car that's the best place for me i hardly ever listen in the house or i don't i have an office but i never go to it I, I don't know how everybody will feel about the statement, but I know when you came out, you know, everybody threw out that tired old phrase of the next Dylan, but it's hard not to look at Isbell and say, well, there's the next John Prine right there. <laughs> well, that's okay, because this John Prine just didn't be on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love to ask about a couple of the songs on this record, too. I, I think my favorite, and, and there is so many on here, but I think I keep centering in on Lonesome Friends of Science. 
Yeah, it's one of my favorites, too. Uh, what, what, what's the story a, with that one? Well, it was kind of something that kicked me off for uh, ever since I first read about it. I guess it was about 10 years ago when I saw a little thing in the newspaper where like three or four scientists got together in a room and decided that Pluto was no longer a planet. And that just really pissed me off. <laughs> Because it took, I remember back in fifth grade, I had to memorize all those planets. And now they're just saying that all of a sudden it's not a planet, it's just a star up in the sky. And then they come back five years later and they go, okay, you're a planet, but you're a dwarf planet. That's like kicking them while he's down, you know. And uh, I thought somebody should say something about this. And I'll be darned if I'm not getting letters from... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're headed out. To, we're in California right now. I'm in Hollywood. I'm going up to uh, Silicon Valley, and I got a letter from a scientist up there that might have been one of the guys that said the decided Pluto wasn't a planet. And I got an invitation at Yale to go to the planetarium when we when we play Boston later this month. And the guy said uh, he said that in this letter he referenced my song Space Monkey. He said. He said he's been working four and a half monkey years <laughs> at the planetarium, and he doesn't wear a white lab coat. <laughs> and uh, he wanted to explain to me why they why they weren't uh, referencing Pluto as a planet anymore. And he invited me to the planetarium. I don't know. It, uh, it depends on how early in the morning I got to get up to, <laughs> to go see it. But it's just kind of funny because. After I write a song like that, we get letters from the scientific community, you know. And uh, and the lines in that, I mean, I, I had a few chuckles too because I, I'm I'm hoping I remember it right here. You know, when you're talking about, you know, you get your mail in Tennessee, which was just one of those great lines. But you said you're talking about that area of the song anyway, and you said, um, I think you said, my wife, my my dog, my kids, and and, and I me. thought I thought the dog came before the kids. That's the interesting. I know. Part. I thought of that too, but. You know, the, like the number one thing for me when I'm writing words is how the word sounds. You know, it's not like what the word means. It's not the placement. <laughs> and, and I and I thought at least I didn't put the dog before my wife. You know, <laughs> I put my wife, my dog, my kids, and me. Because you would have been sleeping and in the doghouse. Yeah, I tried to. I tried to actually reverse it and put the, the dog last, but it just didn't sing right. So the kids would just have to wait behind the dog. That's, that's all there is to it. I love that you considered it. I really do. I love that that crossed oh, I, your mind. I, I do. I actually consider things before I commit them down to history. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a story behind the song God Only Knows, too, right? This is, has a connection to Phil Spector? Yeah, I wrote one with Phil back in 1978. I put it on my Bruce Orange record. It was really odd how I happened to meet him. You're familiar with the journalist uh, Robert Hilburn. He wrote for the LA Times for years and years. Now, now he's writing books, but anyway, uh, he was an early champion of my music out in L.A., and uh, I was out here doing some press, like I am now, and um, I ran into him, and I said, well, what are you up to? And he goes, well, I'm trying to write a book on uh, Phil Spector. I said, I'm interviewing him every night at his house. He says, it's a real circus. You want to come up there with me? And I said, well, Phil Spector wouldn't know me from Adam. And he said he was floating down in Lydia the other night. And I said, well, I better go up and meet this guy. I said, okay. <laughs> and it was right at the time that he had produced Leonard Cohen's record, but he hadn't put it out yet. So he was anxious to play that for me. He took me in his snooker room. He turned it up to 11. And Leonard Cohen, the music was making the balls like vibrate across the table. That's how loud he was playing it for me. 
And it was pretty much a circus. He had two goons, uh, like bodyguards behind him wherever he went. And uh, his kids came running downstairs at one point and to say goodnight to him. They had their PJs on. He said, who's the king of rock and roll? <laughs> and they went, you are, daddy, you are. <laughs> and this is, it was uh, like this for about three, four hours. And I thought, okay, I've had enough. I'm, I'm going to take off. I thanked him for, you know, for the refreshments and everything. And I, I started heading for the door. And he was walking me to the door. And we passed by a piano. And he sat down at the piano and handed me an unplugged electric guitar. And we wrote a song called If You Don't Want My Love in about 30 minutes. And he was just, when he sat down to play music, he wasn't goofing off at all. He was straightforward and a normal guy. And I went back six months later to play him the song because I recorded it with, uh, back in Chicago. And when I went back to play it for him, we wrote half of this other song that God only knows. And I had tried to finish it for years and kept putting it up on the shelf. So this seems like a good record to finish it for. I mean, for a guy to have as sordid history as he does and then to be that musical genius that we've all heard about and you got to witness that firsthand, that's a... That's exactly, really yeah. I mean, when, when, he, when he was... I don't know what he was like as a producer. I've heard, I've heard it was pretty much a circus when he was producing people. Like, he'd do all kinds of mind games on him. Mm. But as far as sitting down with a guy to write Dead Nuts on... I don't know if that'll get him, get him, any, get him out any earlier. But. <laughs> no, man, uh, Prine, he uh, he vouches for you. It's fine. It's yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that wrote loads of Friends of Science is vouching for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you did write that song. And again, I, I mean, I could go on and on about this record. Summer's End is just a beautiful song, and, and, and Knockin' is, is so much fun. Favorite, yeah. It's an instant yeah, classic. I love, yeah, I love that Summer's End. Me and Pat McLaughlin wrote that, and we wrote a real pretty song for the Fair and Square record too, called uh, "Taking a Walk." Oh yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of that it's that sort of song. You know, it's kind of it's got a bittersweet quality to it. I'd say. Well, it's 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 instantly one of you know it goes on the greatest hits, the next greatest hits that the label packages right, out there. Thank so. God. <laughs> I'll vouch for you on that one. I, I'll co-sign. So it's okay. <laughs> All right. John, it's been such a pleasure talking to you again. And, and, you know, as I'm leaving, you know, of course, you know, we're here in Kentucky. So, you know, a lot of your songs mean stuff. I think Paradise ends up being one of the unofficial themes around here. I grew up not far from Muhlenberg and Grayson County. So that song is just We played in, in Ohio County the other night. I we saw that. Beaver, we played Beaver Dam. It was the most attended concert they've had since the amphitheater opened. There's 4,000 people. <laughs> and I opened and closed with Paradise. Oh, wow. Opened? That's like... And, Willie Nelson does that, too. You're the only two people I've ever heard that do that. Well, that's the only place I've ever done that. I figure if I don't open with it, if I don't sing it early on in the show, people are going to be hollering all the way through the night. <laughs> so I opened with it, and then I said at the end, I said, okay, if you didn't get it the first time, here's your, next, your second chance. <laughs> and everybody sang along. It was, it was really cool. Never get tired of that song. Why would you? That's great. I wish I'd see yeah, that. Well, I got a back, uh, backdrop we're carrying on this tour where about half the time it's the old post office in Paradise. They all appreciated that, too. I know you'll be back in Louisville, too, so uh, can't wait to see the yeah, show. Yeah, I know. We're, it's always, I always enjoy playing there. That's where I get most of my relatives. Oh, up here? In Louisville. Yeah. yeah. And it's right next door to us at the Palace. We actually uh, we uh, we share a wall with the Palace, so I don't have to walk Do far. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. Well, I hope to see you down at the show. All right, John. Thanks so much for giving me the call today and for this new record. You bet, Kyle. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.
Thanks so much to John Prine for giving me that call today. The, uh, the new album is called The Tree of Forgiveness. Don't forget to subscribe to Consequence of Sound's YouTube channel to keep up with your favorite artists and interviews. For you podcast listeners, please do head over to iTunes or Podchaser. Give us a rating and review while you're over there. And then head to WFPK.org, where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.